Welcome to the Bustin' Beaks and Chasin' Tales podcast. Join us for turkey and deer hunting tips, information, and stories. And now your host, Todd Hogan. Hello, welcome to Bustin' Beaks and Chasin' Tales. I'm your host, Todd Hogan, joined uh, by always by my co-host, Brian Johnson. Hi, folks. And we've also got big game hunter Nathan Overberg here. How's it going guys? Good. So we are now in week two of October and uh, we've got some guys here that have got some deer stories for us. So let's start with Nathan. Nathan's been hunting in central Missouri. Um, he's got some good deer on camera. He's got some good deer on video that he's videoed by by hand. So Nathan what have you been seeing? Um, I've been seeing some pretty good movement. Um, actually, my first sit I had out, I had uh, one of the deer I have quite a few pictures of, a good three-and-a-half-year-old, come out about a half hour before dark. Worked right over and right underneath my stand. I, I really tested my resolve this early in the season. Um, but It was a good deer. I've seen it. <laughs> I gave him the pass for right now because it's pretty early, and uh, I have a lease up north that I'm trying to get to um to really see what we have going up there so i just wasn't gonna punch my tag just just yet and uh i've seen several good deer been good deer moving especially with this cool front that just passed through back to that deer you saw that night just to hit on a theme on what we've seen here in central missouri what was he feeding on acorns uh he come across the field uh chewed on a little bit of grass but he didn't waste too much time coming across the field, and he got behind me, and I could hear him chewing on acorns for probably a good five, six minutes behind me. And that's I, been the, that's been the census of everybody in the last couple of weeks. The uh, white oaks, everything's dropping, and uh, everybody I talked to said the the bucks are just hammering the acorns right now. And to my surprise, there's been a lot of nice deer already killed over the acorns i know that i know the farm that nathan hunts because we hunted together and right directly behind him that's just a big white oak flat so that's he made a beeline across that open field to get to that white oak flat didn't he uh yes he did actually i've um i've had three sets so far this year and all of the deer that i have seen move through um they actually i've sitting one red oak and they walked right over next to me and started feeding on the uh, the white oak. So they're hitting those really hard right now. They're dropping heavy around here too. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you said again, was it Tuesday night? Yes. No, or last night? No, Monday night. Oh, it was this Monday week, night. This week. Yes. So yeah. you also had another good encounter. What was that like? Um, it was about the same thing, really. I uh, was sitting in a big white oak that actually Todd has had a stand in forever and sat there and again, right at, right as the sun was going down past the trees, I had a little spike and a nice little two and a half year old come make a beeline right to me and they didn't waste much time. Um, got across the field, got to the other side where I was at and this two and a half year old, it was pretty neat. I got some pretty neat footage of him uh, making some scrapes, raking his horns on some branches down that tree line and uh, standing up on his hind legs. Just them, the young bucks are starting to feel their oats a little bit. Uh, them big boys, I don't think, are quite uh, quite ready yet. But uh, it, it was pretty neat to see and to see the activity uh, during daylight, especially this time of year. And that. <clears throat> That book you said that uh, came across the field that was a pretty good buck, the three-year-old, that was probably pushing a book deer, don't you think? Uh, he'd be close. I, I know he has some pretty good mass on him. He's got a good spread uh, that, that would get him real close. Like I said, I had I not known what deer it was immediately as soon as he came out on the field, because I have so many pictures of him, uh, he would have really tempted me if he was a strange deer to me. But I knew he was and uh, knew he was a three-and-a-half-year-old deer, so I wanted to give him another at least another year before i wrap the tag on him i might regret that decision well you better not come past me on the same farm <laughs> i understand that completely i don't make i don't expect everybody to make the same decision hey whatever gets your blood a pumping and uh he uh he had it pumping that night but like i said had i not known what deer he was uh he might have he might have got an arrow flung I, at him that night you sent me the video and i saw the uh i saw the mass on that deer and i said 
where's the video of him shooting? And he said, well, he's still alive. I said, oh, he wouldn't be if you walked past me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, that was our text messages back and forth uh, that evening when, when I showed Todd that video. It was <laughs> it was pretty funny. But, yeah, I, uh, he got a pass that night. He better not make that mistake too many times out there. I know that. No, I wouldn't let him parade in front of me again. <laughs> By far. So the movement's picking up here in Missouri. And uh, Brian and I can give some uh, information on what it's like in north central uh, Illinois. Um, we both went up to, oh, probably what, three hours north of St. Louis. Yeah, it's three uh, hours. We both went up there this weekend. We had a cold front come through, a uh, little rain, and uh, one of us was successful, and it wasn't me. So, uh, <laughs> Brian, why don't you tell your story there? Well, I'll tell you all, I got up there, and it was it was a cold front coming through and I knew it was going to be good. So the, the first set that evening, I, I couldn't begin to tell you how much, how many deer I seen and how much film I got. <clears throat> and uh, it just kept going on and on. And I couldn't wait for Todd to come up because I knew the action was just too hot. Well, Todd ended up coming up and uh, I showed him some of the footage I got. And uh, we went over, and there's standing corn, cut corn, there's a bean field. And all of them uh, join at this little corner. So we made a game plan, and Todd turns around and starts walking off. I take uh, maybe another 20 yards, spotted a small buck bedded in the beans. And I mainly I was just trying to get him on film. Well, this little buck, he stands up, sees me, takes off. I... I didn't get anything on film, and I'm like, Todd isn't going to believe this. He isn't going to believe this because I could still see Todd. He was at the other end of the field. So I walk a little bit farther, and uh, first buck I see is this, I mean, really, really good deer. He had uh, a lot of character in his horns, everything. I mean, he was a good deer. And I immediately dropped down to my knees and grabbed the bow, and, and mind you, this is it. 30 yards right after a rain shower and that buck he's uh facing away from me so there's no shot and i'm just begging for him to turn sideways give me a shot and he takes off running runs out about 80 yards and a uh, little did i know right to the left of him was another buck and he stood up <clears throat> and by that time it was it was so incredible i just like I got to do it. So <laughs> I let her fly, shot that buck, and I called Todd instantly. And, I mean, he's literally on the other side of the field. We hadn't been apart, what, Todd, 10 minutes? Uh, we No, five minutes maybe. Yeah. He answers the phone, and he tells me, what are you doing? And I said, I just shot a buck. And he goes, no, you didn't. I go, yeah, I did. I promise I did. And, uh. So I tell him the story, and while I'm on the phone with Todd telling him the story, literally, what was it, 10 yards? The yeah. buck yeah. that I had just shot, he ran out, bedded in the beans, got back up, and come running at me while I was on the phone with Todd. Oh, my gosh. And I'm on the phone, and I go, Todd, the buck just run right by me. He goes, what buck? I said, the buck I just shot. I said, he made a big circle and come right back by me. And Todd, did, of course, he, he didn't believe me. And I was like, oh, you got to see honest this. With you, I thought he's full of crap because I had left him like three minutes ago. <laughs> we were walking on the edge of his field. I, there's no way. <clears throat> I hadn't even made it. I was going to get back on the fuller and ride down the fuller on the fuller about 300 yards down this fence row and then walk another 100 yards or so and kind of tuck back into the brush. I hadn't even made it to the four-wheeler four -wheeler yet, and Brian gives me a call and saying he shot a buck. And i be honest with you, first thing I said, <laughs> not to be crude, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> he did, too. So so we gave it about an hour, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I, I told him, I said, get your ass over here. we we got to go after this. Well, he comes over, and I walk him through the whole scenario. We walk out in the beans, and the beans, they were red. It I mean, like I've never seen a blood trail like this sprayer and just i mean there was no it was no i got blood here i got blood here it was just a, as fast as we could walk we kept up with it yeah there was just constant blood and 
Todd's Todd, he's right behind me, and he's the entire time he's saying, "That's a dead deer, dude. That's a dead deer." <laughs> he goes, "He's gonna be right here. He's gonna be right here." Well, little did we know, it was about a hundred yard drop off into a creek, and uh, wouldn't you know it, the buck was uh, all the way at the very bottom, dead in the creek. So uh, that was a whole another episode getting that thing out of there. About two hours of. Uh, we, I I guess we probably went maybe a foot at a time. We did dragging it out of there. Um, so I, just real quick, I have tell a quick story. Over the summer, I had both my hips replaced, so I'm getting around, but not great. And I'm gonna I haven't even been released from the doctor yet. And I'm gonna help Brian drag this deer out of this gully. <laughs> so what we did was he grabbed it by the horns. Well, first thing we're standing about 30 yards from this deer and about 120 foot above it. Yeah, and I told him I go, "There's your deer. Scurry down there and drag it up here." And he just gave me a piss off look. <laughs> so anyway, he gets it, and we have to go through the briars, and uh, so he's on the horn end, I'm on the butt end, and we just what we do is we, he'd say one, two, three, and we'd slide it about a foot, mm-hmm. and it had just rained, so it's slick, and then we just did this, and it went on for what twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah. It, it was insane, and I will tell you this much. Of all the deer I've killed, it's uh, by far wasn't the biggest deer I've ever killed. It was a, it was a nice buck, and uh, I'm proud of it. But the whole hunt and, the, and what Todd and I, that's one hunt that when we're 80 years old telling our grandkids, that's, that's the type of hunt you never forget just because um, it was crazy from start to finish of how everything went i just it was um and it, to be honest with you when we finally got it up the hill after probably 15 20 minutes these two old men were huffing and puffing and coming out of clothes just as fat i mean it looked like we were stripping i mean i was so hot i was taking <laughs> shirt off and well we got to tell we got to tell the folks all the way up there i took my belt off to wrap around the horns why well, i had this cheapo belt from walmart and I make it about 15 feet, and the belt breaks. So Todd's got a uh, Todd's got a leather belt on. Well, of course, he takes his belt off and says, here, try this one. Needless to say, by the time we got to the top of the hill, my wallet was at the back of my ham, <laughs> hamstring. My pants were down around. I looked I look down, and Todd, he's about the same way, and he's screaming at me, you're buying me a belt. <laughs> we'd take a step and drag that deer, and then we'd both stop, pull up our pants, take a couple breaths, and then do it again. <laughs> well, and this is what I, and this is what it's all about—just listening to you guys tell this story here. I, I mean, it is. It, it don't. It, is. it doesn't have to be the biggest deer in the world. It does. No. It's just the stories that what you we gather together. Was a young buck like you to just drag it out <laughs> well, by yourself? I, I, I'm not that much younger than you fellows, and I, I, I've been there, done that. The farm that Todd and I hunt, there, there's some pretty nice ravines in that thing too. And I was telling Todd as he was telling me the story the other day, is like I remember dragging one out uh, here probably I don't know four or five years ago, and. I dragged it up to the spot where we could actually get a four-wheeler to, and we pulled out all the winch cable. And the guy on the four-wheeler said, well, go ahead and hook him up. I said, well, you're going to have to give me a minute because I'm either going to pass out or throw up. So, And, I mean, it's just still a story to this day. I remember like it was yesterday, and that just really is what it's all about. It is. You're exactly right, Nathan. I mean, it is. uh, No matter what happens, it's all in having fun. and, And don't forget, folks, to enjoy it. And don't get caught up in the social pressure of you got to kill the biggest deer. you got to kill, uh, you know, anything to brag on. It's all about going out and having the fun and experiencing it and learning it. And Todd and I, we've done that our whole lives. We haven't got really caught up in the big hype about things. And I think that's why we've stuck with it for over 30 years, just because it's that enjoyable. I know the three of us. We all look forward to it all year long. Yeah, there's it's you know it's a it's a quarter of the year, but we but I mean, all summer long, Brian and I talk about eighty two days, eighty days till deer season. I know Nathan's the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. I uh, I know Nathan pretty much through uh, 
we've got mutual friends, but his grandpa, I grew up hunting around him, and you've never met a man that was a more diehard hunter ever. Uh, Pate Ladd was just, uh, if it was brown, first of all, he come from a different generation. If it was brown, it was down, and he was shooting whatever, and he was going to be thrilled to death with it. Absolutely, yeah. I, well, I mean, and he grew up, you know, they were eating everything that they were, you know, that he went out and hunted. I, I mean, from squirrels to rabbits to turkeys to deer to anything, you were getting it all. But, I mean, that man taught me just about everything I know about hunting, gave me the passion for it, and it, it, it just – you know, again. And Nathan, that, that's probably the reason why you were so enthusiastic about it, because you were fortunate enough to grow up with a, a man like that to pass on those values, and that's why you're so successful in what you're doing now. And I couldn't agree more, and I, I'm my son is five and a half, he's going to be six this year, and I just absolutely cannot wait, and I am chomping at the bit to get him out in the woods, and he's, he's the same, I mean, he... He reenacts my hunts there in the living room. He'll bring out his little deer, uh, you know, and act like he's shooting them. I mean, I just That's absolutely perfect. cannot That's wait perfect. to get him out there in the field probably next year sometime, I'm sure, yeah. to you, pass it on. You pass on those uh, those values, and it, every generation a little bit gets lost from here to there. But, I mean, I, I, I say this to everybody. Let's be diehards and make sure we pass it on. From generation to generation and and keep it going because not too many people experience that i know i i can't wait to see him out there hunting that farm so i can tell him stories about his great grandpa <laughs> absolutely i i just i don't know that that man uh, every time i'm out there on that farm because man i don't think there was one inch of it that he didn't have his footprint on at some point in time hunting some type of animal and i i just every time i get out there and get up in a stand him and I have a conversation. Sometimes he cusses me for uh, passing up deer like I did the other night. And, uh, you know, we have candid conversations, but he, he just, you know, there's not a minute that goes by that I'm out there hunting that I'm not thinking about him for sure and just love every minute of it. Good man. Good, great man. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's uh, let's shift gears here a little bit. Uh, we kind of had the BS session. So... Next week, today is the ninth. What are you guys looking for? Nathan, what are you looking for over the next week? And I know we were talking about this before this started. There's just, just to bring everybody up to speed, there's a major cold front coming in this weekend. Probably, the, well, the biggest cold front of the year for sure. I think here in central Missouri, we're looking at temperatures mid-30s. I, uh, Northern Illinois, they're looking at temperatures at freezing, maybe just a little mm -hmm. bit below. So, Nathan, what are you looking at this weekend? Or with this, Let's say over the next week. Uh, over the next week, uh, again, I'm you know starting to look a little bit more for uh, you know the bucks getting on their feet, making scrapes, kind of getting around, moseying around a little bit, marking their territory. Um, especially with this cold front coming in, Todd and I were talking on the way over here, and uh, Todd and I tend to be a little bit more on the conservative side uh, of the hunting, especially out on the farm that we hunt here in Central Missouri. Uh, but uh, we've been talking back and forth about it and we want to in certain spots get a little bit more aggressive and I was telling Todd on the way over here um, I think this weekend would be a good time to do it you get a good cold snap here in the in the middle part of October and uh, I think I'm going to try to on Saturday push in a little bit closer to some bedding areas get in the timber maybe find a white oak that is uh, pretty close to some bedding area and see if I can't uh, lay my eyes on one of these bigger deer that we have on camera. I think, I think you're right, Nathan. Just, uh, you know, I've been telling Todd and I, I begged for him for years to, to get in and, and, you know, he's always successful in his, his method. But this weekend with the cold front coming in and this time of year, I can honestly tell you, get in there and, my main thing this weekend, I'm going to go for rub lines. I'm going to go in. I'm going to find my rub lines because are right you, now they're not. Are you guys seeing a lot of sign making? Oh, yeah. It, in the last week, it's it's really kicked up. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to hit the hit the, the slopes on the ridges. I'm going to find my rub lines, and that's where I'm going to move. I'm not going to any stationary stands I have. I'm taking my climber in. And I'm going to set up on rub lines, anything I could find, uh, move some cameras around, 
just because right now the Bucks they're on their feeding pattern still, but they're transitioning into their territorial pattern. And this time of year until Halloween weekend, I, I, I'll hit the rub lines. Um, Halloween weekend, by that time, you know, the, the scrapes and any scrape is going to be active. Just set over the scrape. And well, you at saw that point first day time. this weekend that those bucks in Illinois were still bachelored up. Oh, yeah. They, in northern Illinois, I mean, there was three bucks all bedded together in a bean field. And, you know, I videoed... Uh, videoed several bucks coming out and cut corn and i actually you know grunted at them and they they're not even paying attention right now they're they're more or less gorging themselves with the most uh nutritious thing they can and that's all they were doing and it, it didn't matter what i did anything you just had to wait till they walked in front of you and I've actually, the last, uh, especially the last week, week and a half, um, I have a couple of the uh, cellular cameras that are feeding me pictures uh, twice a day, and I've moved those over scrapes, uh, like Brian was talking about. And they're not, I've caught a couple of them. I've seen some fresh scrapes out there, uh, nothing super aggressive, uh, just a little bit of pawing at the ground. But mostly I've seen them coming over to the uh, licking branches above, and I've got several pictures of decent deer. I mean, I'm talking four and a half, five and a half year old deer, mature deer, and uh, they're going over raking those, raking those uh, uh, branches and, and kind of getting after it a little bit. So they're they're definitely starting to fill their oats with this. Uh, they're trying to let everybody know they're there, right? Yeah, right. like I was telling you guys uh, when you got here, that here on the place I got a, a really nice ten pointer. And this buck, you know, has been hit or miss. You'll see him from time to time. But in the last probably three days, um, he's been real active on um, making his rubs. And I've, I've been seeing him. He, he's coming through on a normal pattern, on a rub line. And I haven't ventured in to see if he's got scrapes or not and what all he's doing there. I'm kind of, kind of, you know kicking back on him that's going to be my backup deer just in case <laughs> that must be nice <laughs> just in case nothing else happens but uh i get i can honestly tell you that in the last couple of days this cold front coming in that things have really started picking up and uh, i know nathan and todd they've got cameras out on their farm and and um, i'm jealous jealous as hell because todd's all the time sending me pictures of all these bucks and and they they have a uh, an area that has several several deer that run through it, and I'm not fortunate like that. I have to I have to really play my cards right because I don't have a, a large deer population like they got. But we're lucky enough that we back up to hundreds of acres of standing timber. Uh, so and then just so happens the other side of the river is a state park mm -hmm. uh, not that we hunt it but they that there's nothing to keep them from going back and forth across the river there right you guys you guys got a honey hole i'll give you that you got a honey hole yeah it's it, it's definite it's not uh real often that it happens especially in our area in central missouri um that we have quite a bit of row crop right there we have a, a nice steady water source in the river running through there and we have like todd said hundreds and hundreds of acres of standing timber a lot of white oaks a lot of a lot of oaks in general and these deer have more than enough food to eat um, and you boys most prove of the it year. every year i mean you guys are taking nice deer and uh here's the funny part about that farm i think it's about 180 acres eh, that's no 140 acres mm -hmm. um and nathan and i have kind of certain areas that we stick to and they're not, we were talking about this a while ago, they're not more than 500 yards apart probably, maybe a little farther than that, not much. And more often than not, I'm getting different pictures of bucks than he's getting. And he's not, we're not getting the same pictures a lot of times. They're coming in from different areas. Yeah, it, it it's almost seems like that farm is, is like split in half. And back where Todd is, it seems like they come from the north more. And on the side of the farm that I'm on, he, they come from the south. And 
we just we get pictures of a lot of good deer we we've we're very fortunate to be able to hunt out there and it, it's challenging and it's a, it's a lot of big woods a lot of ravines it drops off pretty quick to the river i mean it's not the easiest place in the world to hunt but it uh it definitely produces deer in in good numbers for sure i'll tell you what folks stay tuned to the the facebook page and everything because these two boys, they're going to show you some good deer. Well, you know what? While we're talking about it, Nathan killed two good deer out there last year. Can you uh, can you kind of give us a rundown on, on each one of those? What One one of the biggest deer you ever killed, right? Yes. Actually, he just underscore, uh, it was my second biggest deer, um, and that was actually the second deer I killed. It, I actually had a rough part, uh, first part of the year. I was seeing bucks, uh, you know, during the pre-rut and right as the rut started, uh, but just nothing you know, real mature what I was looking for. And I knew from our, you know, Todd and I's cameras and we, you know, we share them back and forth, of course, that, uh, you know, I knew there were bigger deer out there. So I was holding off. I had a little rut vacation and uh, it finally wasn't until the second weekend of rifle season. I had a, uh, a four and a half year old 10 pointer, good deer, I, you know, probably right at 130 inch deer come in and uh, present me with a shot. I actually just caught a glimpse of him and he just disappeared and boy i grabbed my rattling horns together and bashed them things together as hard as i could and boy here he come up the ridge right to me got got within about 60 yards and uh i i gave him the hammer with the rifle but uh the deer that todd's talking about was end of december it was actually muzzleloader season was it? Oh, I was, no, no. was it muzzleloader season it, it might have been a couple days before it was right there i know either right, muzzle, at, right it, about christmas yeah it was a few days before Christmas, and uh, I was sitting in a stand that I had just hung that year, and I was telling Todd, the bucks just seem to travel through this area. They don't stop and hang out too often. And it was unseasonably warm for the end of December. It was 50-something degrees, uh, almost 60 degrees that day, and I almost didn't go. And I'm sitting in the tree stand, and man, the sun's out, and I'm, I'm leaned back against the tree, and I mean, I'm halfway dozing off and I told Todd I'm like I'm sitting up in the tree almost sleeping I turn around in the field behind me and I see that there's deer behind me and I look and there's a deer that him and I both have been after I finally notice of the third deer um, that was that had gotten past me somehow I don't probably because I was sleeping but they uh they got was past the, me was that the old man that that was that uh, six-pointer that uh brian's seen pictures of him for years and he's had a heart on him for that deer for years <laughs> and, and i and i gotta be telling you, we've talked about him quite a bit and todd and i both have said you know we need to kill that deer because he's probably i would what would you think six years old no he's older than that i, I mean yeah he's older he, than that. He, I've, I've i've seen so many pictures of that deer and i i, I would honestly say that deer's is this year he's he's got to be eight yeah, I, and not going downhill. I mean, he is an old deer. And he, just he a tank. Have, he wouldn't amount to much. No, no. He's probably... 120. Maybe. Six-pointer. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, he's an, he, he, he's an old warrior. Oh, yeah. And he, he used to run with... The, he run another, with beams. Yeah, another yeah, big one that beams. we followed out there a lot. Yeah. yeah, he's just a you know a tank of a deer. So I'm kind of up there in the stand kind of cussing myself for letting this <laughs> deer get past me somehow. And, and I mean... So I'm just up there just discouraged and watching to see if he's going to, you know, come back down in these this little cedar thicket that I'm right on the other side of before the field. And uh, all of a sudden, right right before dark, you know, I can hear some footsteps coming through the woods. And, boy, straight up that trail that those bucks always travel. Here come a nice probably two-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer. Then there was a nice three-and-a-half-year-old eight-pointer right behind him and i'm like man oh man and it's starting to get dark real quick and then this uh he ended up being a nine pointer he's a mainframe eight with a split with a split g2 and uh he come up and i mean just a real framey deer he, he ended up scoring right around 140 i think and he's a beautiful buck yeah just just real framey he's real wide real tall i think both of his g2s were right around 12 inches um and boy he come up behind it was the third deer and I was like, yeah, no, I'm not letting him get by me. I was, I really wanted that six pointer, but this is, was about as good a deer as I've killed so far <laughs> to this point, especially with my bow. So, um, I wasn't letting him get by me. So uh, I let him have it and boy, he didn't run very far at all into the woods. And yeah, uh, he was a dandy deer, but 
I can, I can tell you boys this. If it was me, and either one of you guys kill that six-pointer, you're my hero. <laughs> because that is one old, smart deer yes, right there. Yes, he is. And, I mean, I've, I saw him probably – four different times last year which is a first i he's normally been a ghost when it comes to hunting time we get a bunch of pictures of him but he is one of those ghost deer that just disappear i probably saw him four times last year and the closest i ever got to him was i ranged him at 53 yards and you know he was really testing my morals because i don't believe in taking that far of a shot especially on a white tail but we want to kill this thing that bad where he was seriously making me think about it and then when he got past me late season boy i was cussing myself it's good one of the three has those morals because there's two that wouldn't have (laughs) i todd todd knows me if i if i got a shot i'm taking it because what dad dad always taught me you're not gonna kill him unless you shoot we and, were we were and if I got blood on the ground, most of the time I'm gonna find it. it. May take me a whole day, but I'll find That's it. That's true. He's a bloodhound. I know a few years ago we were bow hunting out of a blind in Illinois, and a doe walked down this fence row, and I was filming, and he and I had the range finders, and he kept telling me how far, how far, and I'd said 90, 80. He told me he goes. He clears seven. She clears seventy, and I'm letting the arrow go. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate to say I do, and I, you know, I I'm a firm believer, and I practice at distance. You know, I, I'll I'll shoot when I'm practicing. You know, I'll shoot seventy, eighty if I, you know, I, if I have that type of range, I'll throw the target out there because, and again, it just it just makes your you know your closer shots when you get them twenty, thirty, oh, and does. everything else. It just makes it much easier. And I'm shooting groups about you know a little bit bigger than an orange, you know probably maybe a grapefruit at the most at 65 70 yards um i I could probably get a little more you know reach out there a little bit more but i gotta be totally honest with you most of my shots besides him last year um most of the deer i have been inside 30 yards so i've been pretty fortunate in that aspect i haven't been tried too many times on that because if i get them in 30 i'm i'm real comfortable but uh todd can tell you all my practice my practice is always at 50 and 70 yards. And, I, you know, you can practice all you want to in the yard. But I can tell you this much. At 50 yards, I never aim where I want that arrow to go. I always aim a little bit lower. And it's just for the simple fact that deer has that reaction. And a lot of people say it's not ethical, anything, but... If you practice and you know your deer's movement, you got a good chance. If if not, you know, then if you're not comfortable with it, then by all means. If you're just taking pop shots to take them, yeah, and you I haven't mean, been and you haven't been working at those distances, right? That's an unethical shot, right? I I agree with that, but I I maintain and I shoot the fastest bow I can and crossbow and I I try and stay on my game. I wouldn't tell everybody, you know go out there and just rip off shots but and that's the other thing with me is i i you know most of the summer i mean I'm, i may take a little bit of time off spring to early summer but it gets too far into summer i'm trying to shoot just about every day I, i'm i'm trying to make sure mm-hmm. i know when i let that thing go i know where that arrow's going and i mean i'm talking about shooting from an elevated position if you're in a stand i mean shooting sitting down if you're in a blind i mean all these things make make a difference, and I mean, if you are going to take that shot, definitely uh, definitely practice well, it for sure as much you as can you only, can. There, you know, you may come across one a world class buck, and you may only in your lifetime get one chance at it. Mm-hmm. I told Todd this has been quite a few years now, but one of the first years I hunted out on this farm, it uh, I had a deer come in, and I had just got a brand new bow right before the season, and only had the twenty and thirty yard pin sighted in. He came out, I mean, one of the biggest deer I've ever seen on this farm. And he came out the other end of your food plot back there in the back. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, which is 75, 80 yards. Yeah, man. And I'm sitting there watching him, and I'm ranging him and ranging him. And I'm like, <laughs> I finally convinced myself because I only had to the 30-yard pin sighted in. I said, if he gets to 35, I'm holding it a little bit high, and I'm letting him have it. <laughs> well, Sure enough, he gets in. I think the closest I had him was 38 or 39 yards, and I'm ranging, ranging, and all of a sudden this doe just cuts right 
over his nose, just right in front of his nose. He flips around and kind of chases her off to the side. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if there was a shift in the wind or what, but all of a sudden he turned around and I mean, his head whipped over there to that blind. And I mean, just staring straight in. It was like he was looking at, you know, looking straight through me. And I mean, he didn't do nothing but bound off and my chance was gone. So uh, to that point right there, I yeah. mean, know it because that should have been a dead deer. He had his head down feeding in that food plot for probably 20, 25 minutes. And I had not done my homework that year. Well, and that cost me a big deer. Also just proof that some of those big mature bucks have almost a sixth sense. He oh, knew something right. He may have just caught just a whiff. Mm-hmm. And, and a two-year-old or three-year-old would have never known. Yep. Nope. Well, he knew. It, and that goes to tell you, like uh, the video I showed you, Todd, of uh, this weekend in Illinois, I had a group of does all come out, and they paraded right underneath me. And every doe did not hesitate one bit, walked directly underneath me. And the last doe I know was every bit of six, seven years old. Had one of those big, long snouts yeah. on her. Yeah. And I filmed the whole thing. This doe comes out and is following the other deer. She stops dead in her tracks. All the rest of the deer walk on. She stands there for 10 minutes and finally looks straight up at me. Figured it out, didn't she? And she figured it out. Mm-hmm. You had the wind in your favor, too. And I had the wind in my favor, but it was just that footprint, something of getting in my stand mm-hmm. that she was aware of. And she literally stood there for five minutes till she finally scanned the area and then looked right at me. Some of those old does can be even more elusive than the big bucks. Right. Because they're not just looking out for themselves, they're looking out for young ones. Yeah. So. Well, and they seem to be a lot more skittish, too. And, I mean, I, I don't know how many great big does I've had come in or surprise me, come in on the other side of me. And, man, they will just sit there and blow and just alert Let every deer in the, in the area yeah. know that do not come anywhere near here. And there Speaking is nothing that, more frustrating than that. I've got to ask you, too. Um the old doe that was out there on you guys' farm that had the chunk out of her ear. Have you guys seen her no. this year? She, I, my wife named this deer. She named this deer Ginger. And actually, <laughs> Todd is probably going to cuss me for this because I haven't told him. Late season last year over in the corner you of killed Grant Paul's field. <laughs> no, I had her. I had her at probably 15 yards in that ground blind that I put over there in the corner. And my wife threatened my life for the last three years (laughs) that if I killed this deer, and you know what, and I let her go, and I have not actually, I I got a few pictures late season of another doe kind of pushing her around. You could see when their ears pinned back and everything else, and I, Mm -hmm. I think Either she died of old age because that doe had to be ten years old. Oh, I've agree. had pictures of her for so long; it's not even funny. And almost looked like she'd been in a fight with a coyote or something. Yep. Just a big yeah. chunk out of her ear. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And, and and I did, and that was the only chance actually that I've ever that wow. I've had in the many years to actually kill that deer. And I could have killed her last year, but my wife had grown fond of her, so she's either lived her life out there and gone or she's been ran off of that particular farm by those other deer because they were kind of pushing her around but she that's was. A, that's what i tell you i mean you guys can kill the big deer which you guys kill every year you can kill them whatever but after seeing all the pictures um being the uh i guess old school that i am the two landmarks you guys have out there is the the doe that you're talking about and the old man the old six-pointer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it. that right there is more epic to kill them in my book. That's what That's what I look at. And you guys, them two deer have become more famous than any of these 140, 150s that have traveled through. I agree. Um, and I got to be totally honest with you. I've been trying to coach myself because like I told you guys earlier, I, I finally have a lease up in uh, northern Missouri and, and we got some we got some pictures of some really good deer up there. And I'm trying my hardest not to burn my early season tag, my before <laughs> rifle, before I get up there and actually lay my eyes on a few deer. And 
I've really been trying to coach myself that if the six pointer comes out in front of me, that I'm not going to shoot him. We've been trying to kill him for so long. I don't honestly know Nathan, if I can I'll keep myself. Nathan, I'll never talk to you again if you pass up that six. I honestly, I don't know if I can blame you because <laughs> man, we've been trying to kill that deer for a lot of years, haven't we? Yeah, Todd? He's, he's a he's a landmark. He's got the uh, he's got the swinging brisket. He's got the old swayed back like a mule, and just yeah. you just you can just tell he's seen it. He's seen some stuff, and he and he knows what's going on. But like, I think he. Do you have pictures of him this year? I think I. There is a deer that I have, and actually, because last year you remember he had one little sticker past his past his G two that I don't know would quite qualify him for an actual seven pointer last year. I have a deer. He looks like a mature deer, um, you know, big bodied, but he actually looks like he has grown those on both sides. Oh, really? That is the only thing that I've seen so far on my cameras that I could say was possibly him, but it, it's definitely a mature deer. So what do you guys think this coming weekend, cold front, Brian, where are you hunting? Um, I can't honestly tell you that because I'm putting the uh, climber on my back and I mean, you know, like I said, I'm I'm an aggressive hunter, and we're I know where the bedroom's at, and I'm gonna find the rub line that leads into the bedroom, and and I'm I'm going for broke. Going Nathan, for broke. you're gonna go. Uh, you're going I'm, off in the brush, aren't you? Saturday, I, I've yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to. I think Saturday morning, I'm gonna go uh, probably walk the top walk the top of a ridge um you know maybe get off on one side of it find some oaks and, and maybe find some fresh deer sign set up in there for the morning and then like i said out there we have quite a few deep ridges and i'm probably about mid-morning i'm gonna come out and probably sneak down um like what brian was talking about and get a little closer to the bedroom and uh, see if I can't catch one of them trails coming out that's got some uh, wide oak somewhere near that they might be traveling to through the middle of the day, just get up on their feet, get something to eat, and then head back to bed. So. I know just from the weather forecast, it'll be the best deer hunting we've had of the year. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. Uh, Agreed. For sure. Uh, I mean, we had a cold front last weekend, but it's nothing compared to the cold front coming now. Yeah, right. for it to hit the 30s in October and a high in the you know mid to upper 50s, that doesn't happen very often. And, and I mean, we've already seen, we've, we've all already right. seen the bucks are, you know, especially the younger ones are starting to fill their oats a little bit. And, you know, this just could be that opportunity where that, that big boy decides to get up on his feet a yeah. little bit and, you know, really just kind of stretch his legs and get out a little bit. I think the next three weeks you – everybody's going to start seeing a lot more deer activity and you're going to start catching them glimpses of your four and five-year-olds a little bit more. I, I also look, I told Nathan, you're going to see bucks. You have no idea. They just, they're starting to roam a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, I got you guys here cause you're both big time hunters. I'm going to ask you guys some quick hit questions. You let me know what you think. All right. Okay. Uh, you give the answer and then you tell me if you want to just, you know, preface it a little bit as to why or you don't have to but all right first one uh which one would you kill 153 year old or 125 six year old six year old six year old that goes for all three of us uh you can only hunt one spot for the rest of your days field edge pinch point or bedding area bedding area i'm gonna have to say bedding area myself I'm going to go pinch point because I don't think I'm quiet enough to get in the bedding area. <laughs> well, and that, and that's, I, I mean, you find a good pinch point, especially, you know, the time of year that we're talking about. I, I mean, something that that bottles the, you know, the, the deer movement down and everything else. Because like we talked about, the deer are going to be on their feet. They're going to be moving around, kind of checking their, their territory and checking the bedding area. So that, that can be very effective as well, for sure. Yep. Uh, fixed blades or mechanicals? Fixed blade. I just switched back to fixed blade because I think I got some deflection last year on that first doe that I shot that we looked for oh, that I was not. She ran off carrying her front leg. I mean, I hammered mm -hmm. her, and when we found the arrow, remember, mm -hmm. there was next to nothing for blood, and it looked like it deflected back and got guts, and she was not quartering hardly at all, if any. Right. So I, I, I think I got some deflection there, so I moved back to fixed blades. Well, I'm going to be the odd man out. I'm going mechanical. I had to, I had a horrible experience. With I remember your horrible experience. Yeah, I shot a deer at six yards, uh, a giant, a giant, at six yards, 
and the arrow only went in it and uh, I mean I mean it would only went in about 10 inches and we never did find that buck no and it's haunted me yeah I didn't see the buck but you describing it and we have yeah. seen bucks similar to it, it was 160 inch deer yeah uh, uh, okay rifle or bow 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 for sure bow tree stand or ground blind tree stand tree stand although boy ground blinds are sure comfortable <laughs> I, that, no absolutely and it's but well and the one thing we've uh you know encountered the last couple of years man when when it gets late season and all of the leaves are completely gone it is very hard to stay hidden in a tree mm-hmm. if you got a good ground blind and everything else they can be very effective late season because man if you move the slightest when all them leaves are off them mature deer oh, are going to exactly. spot you in a hurry yeah that and it's that north wind off your neck and it is cold <laughs> yeah. uh let's see uh how old were you when you killed your first deer 10 i think it was 12 or 12 or 13 i was 16 um Rubber boots or lace-ups? Rubber boots. Rubber boots. Um, lace-ups, but I don't have any leather on my lo- rubber or on my le- on my lace-ups. So, uh, does the moon phase affect the rut, Brian? Yes. I believe it does. I, I've been actually paying a little bit more attention to it these last couple of years with you know with the cameras out and and everything else, and I just I believe it does. Yes. Um, I'm gonna say undecided. I can't decide. I go back and forth. I can't decide either way. I've I've followed uh, I followed all the reports and and I can honestly say that from just what I've seen, I can I can attest that there's more deer movement by far at certain phases of the moon. And I think that's what I agree with. I think. But do you it, think? Oh, I'm sorry, Nathan. Let's cut you off. Do you think it? that they there there's there are some beliefs that the moon cycle affects the rut do you think that's the case no okay no, no. i don't think that rut is affected by weather the moon because you and i todd we've hunted several states and it's always that second and third week of november no matter what state we've been in i believe it may vary a couple days. I believe, yeah. I believe that the rut hits the same time in your location every year. It yeah. may be off by a day or two, but it's going to be the same time. Yeah. That's yes. what I believe. I'm yeah. sorry, Nathan. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I and I, I agree with, with, with what Brian said and Todd both. You know, I think it affects deer movement. I think in certain phases, you know, there's going to be a little bit more daylight activity. Um, but the same thing with that. I mean, if you, you know, if it turns... 80 degrees end of October or November, you know, you're going to see less deer movement than you are when it's, you right. know, when it's 50 degrees outside. So, I mean, I think all of those things, what, you know, the weather you have come in, uh, you know, high pressure, low pressure, mm-hmm. things like that it, are, are all factors that are going to play in how the deer are going to move in your particular area. Right. Well, two, uh, two weekends ago, it was 85, 90 degrees down here. And a buddy of mine went, and hunted his lease up close to the Iowa border, and it was 60 degrees the whole entire weekend up there. Oh, wow. So, I mean, it just shows the difference in temperature just in right. three, four hours right. that you can have. And, I mean, he saw good deer movement, and, I mean, yep. like I said, down here, it would have been just miserable to have been in a stand. Oh, I think Brian killed a deer that day. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you worked for it, too. Huh? I did. I <laughs> you did. guys worked for it, too. Um, does the weather affect the rut? No. Nathan? No. Again, I think that's a deer movement question. I, I think the rut's happening no matter what. I believe it, right. it may affect the time the of day. Yes. It'll be, you may not see it. It may happen at night. Right. Todd, you and I have friends that own deer farms in Illinois and in southern Missouri. And no matter what that temperature is, they will tell us them does come in heat. Yeah. at that exact same time you're right which does not change whether they're captive deer whether they are wild deer and he's when another they, one that put me on to the rut hits the same time every year. right yes right I, and i i completely agree with that i again i think that's going to affect more of the deer movement uh you know whether it be during mm-hmm. the daylight or even how far they move right um, right you know because they don't have to go very far uh especially you know during the rut 
a lot of the times you get that, you know, the, the middle phase of November where they call the lockdown phase, right? you know, to where the most does are, in, and they just don't move very far. If you don't get in tight to bedding areas like we had talked about, you're going to struggle to see deer. We've seen that lockdown phase in several states. and We've seen it in Illinois where they, those bucks tend to take those does, mm-hmm. they'll take them out in the middle of a field, and it's a place you'll never see a buck, but he knows he's got her secluded out there, and he can see yep. any competitor coming. Mm-hmm. Or he can yeah. smell any, you know, yeah. or smell or see anything coming. That's my big of, of all the phases of deer hunting throughout the year. I think that's what Ooh, Todd and I. Now you're trampling on more of my questions. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the biggest fear that I always have is traveling to another state and hitting it in the middle of the lockdown phase. We did last year. We hit yeah, Illinois we in the middle of lockdown. We did. We saw young bucks searching and no big bucks and no right. and very few does. Um, let's see. Favorite time of the year to I'm sorry, favorite time of the year to hunt deer. Favorite season. Late season. Nathan? I'm gonna have to say late season too, because it's more predictable. I've never had great success during the early season as far as seeing bucks. I, I mean that's when yeah. I like to do my doe hunting, but uh it gets a little more predictable in the late season. You get a good right. food source late in the season, yep. you get bucks. Right. You get the deer, period. Yep. Um, do you pee in a bottle on the stand or you just let it fly? <laughs> um, majority of the time, I let it fly. Yeah, I, I've I've been there, done it, and done the whole bottle thing and everything else, but I anymore, yeah, I just let it fly. Yeah. <laughs> Brian and I got in a uh, fight when I was filming for him one day because he was uh, – He'd fill this piss bottle and he wanted mine, and I wouldn't give it to him. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah. And so I let it fly out of the stand, and it wasn't 15 minutes later, um, we had a giant eight-pointer. Come in. Down there sniffing around where he peed. Yeah. Well, and that's half the problem is getting a big enough bottle to hold what you got all day long, getting that thing carried exactly. to the stand. Exactly. You, uh, you're deer hunting. You see a coyote. Does it become coyote season? Yes, absolutely. I, I, without a doubt. Don't ever let a coyote walk. Anybody <laughs> listen, shoot every one of them. Listen, the, the things that we're after on a regular basis, this is called busting beaks and chasing tails. I mean, those <laughs> things wreak havoc on both of those things on yeah. the fawns and on the turkeys especially i mean they are just that's actually murders. one animal we're going after this weekend too because just just because uh last night uh becky comes running in and says get out here right now and i went out and there was probably 30 coyotes right here at the house oh man yeah. uh, we already answered this one but which do you prefer early season or late season late Definitely late. Do you hunt mornings in the early season? You do, Brian. You hunt. I hunt all the time. Yeah. I don't as much. If it, if we're having less, some really cool mornings like we've had, and I've actually had uh, last night or, or this morning, uh, I have pictures of of deer uh, during the daylight about uh, six thirty, quarter to seven. Uh, this this morning, I had several several deer on camera that were uh, still browsing around during uh during daylight my thoughts of it is is you never know what's gonna happen that's true and i've killed several deer that got spooked up from somebody else going out of the woods or coming in the woods my fear is that they're still on this time of year they're still on a, a, a pattern and you're probably gonna blow them out coming back to bed well and todd the the, the farm that that we hunt access is an issue um, it, it's very hard to access certain parts of this farm, and a lot of the times that's that's where they're bedded, and you got to go through a lot of timber to get there. But with what Brian's talking about, with his aggressive style, I mean, if you're going to get in tight or you can get in tight to bedding areas, I, I think you, you can definitely hunt the mornings in early season right. because you could get in there and catch them coming back to bed. I, I wouldn't be hunting food or, or anything like that during the early season, but if you can get in there, get aggressive, and get tight to bedding early, uh, you, you can definitely Which be successful. Which is what you did last weekend because you were in right. farm country and you could get in and catch them coming back to bed. Right, and then Todd knows me. Whenever I go in, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving early, early in the morning and – I don't get loud at all. It might take me an hour to cover 150 yards to get to my stand. I don't, every step I take, I make sure it's uh, critical. 
and that is one thing I've really been concentrating on. Like I said, the, the farm that we hunt access is an issue. And, and so I've been trying to get fairly creative with where I place my stands and also where, you know, where I access, where I come in and out. You've even got some points this year. You're parking in a different spot. I am. Just, I, uh, we have to cover an open field to get to the timber. And so early mornings kind of screws you there. Mm-hmm. It, it does. And, and if you don't, if you're not wanting to, you know, cover that field, you have to go through so much timber and come down these ridges. Well, a lot of the times the way you have to access this, these deer are bedded on the opposite ridge of what you're having to come in. Right. And, you know, the, as much noise as you're making and everything else traveling through that much timber, it, it's just difficult. A lot of times I do it in on high wind days. Um, you know, where it's a little more windy that it can cover the noise that I'm making or right after a rain where you're not making so much noise coming through the right. leaves. That's I'll try to one. take those days to sneak down in there and get a little bit closer to those bedding areas. I filmed for Todd several several years out there, and I, I tell him all the time, we we got to find a different way to get in and don't have to use it every time, but you you definitely have to play it. Because them deer, whenever they hear that truck and they they hear it, they know. And you're talking four- and five-year-old deer that instantly, that's their cue. Well, I'm going to drop off in the bottom. Yeah. You know, they they know what they're doing. Well, and that just uh, for that first hunt of the year that I had, you know, Todd said I, I found a different place to park my truck. There's a, there's a small about one-acre field that a lot of the times they don't hay, so it stays real tall and stuff and there was even past couple years some little saplings growing up in there so Mm -hmm. i you know we didn't drive the truck in there but a lot of times like you said we have to access through this field well on quite a few occasions we got that oak flat right there and on the other side they'll bed down just right off the edge of the field because that's where the food is and we got a bunch of oak trees and even a pear tree that are lying in that field so especially this time of year they're not bedded very far off of it and what you Another thing you guys got to really take into, uh, like, not so much early season, but at the bottom of the, the hills that you guys got, you got that hunting pressure that is getting um, really applied, and the deer are starting to move up you guys' way. And that's another critical factor you got to play into as far as uh, changing up your, your method. Because that's true. what I have seen out there. And that's there, another reason I've tried to always be conservative out there so there's not as much hunting pressure because I know right. the farms around it get beat hard. Right. Yes, they do. And I, well, and that, like that small field that I, you know, was talking about, I pulled in that and never came out into the field because the only way to get to this area besides that one field there you have to go past the driveway of this little farmhouse and you actually have to pull into this great big field that they bale hay on every year well right i, I mean like i said quite a few deer i mean they could see the headlights the anything else if you're coming in in the yep. morning and then accessing through there so i parked in the smaller field where there's a line of trees hiding on the way in and i had that three and a half year old he had to be bedded right there. Todd and I talked about it. He had to be bedding just on the other side of those cedars. Hmm. And if I would have walked, pond, right? yes, yeah. yeah. And if I would have walked in on the field like we normally do, right. that deer probably never comes out, and I probably never see him that I've night. Seen I, it, I've seen it in late season where those I've seen bucks come out of the brush on that side and look back towards the house mm-hmm. to see what's parked there because they're wary. I, I, I always said this: beams beams slipped out of you two's hands. But if if you would have changed up something, you guys would have got that deer. I there's a there's an area that I stay completely out of, and actually I shot a deer with my muzzleloader a few years ago that I that I didn't find, and actually ended up shooting four days later in Todd's food plot back in the back, and his antlers fell off of him. It was so late, and uh, but. Uh, when I was looking for that deer, I found an area down in that bottom where, I mean, just was more deer sign and, I mean, the clearest cut bedding area that I think you could ever, yeah. uh, that I've ever encountered in my life hunting. And it just, and there's a reason they're there because there's a bowl down there. And 
typically the wind is going to swirl down in the bottom mm -hmm. and a lot of the times even if you have a calm night the thermals are just going to draw everything and there's a reason they're down there because all of the scent is going to come down in that right. bowl and it's going right. to but an area like that if you can get on an edge or on a, on you know on the side of a ridge coming out of an area like that and get a little bit more aggressive i, I mean you You've could seen it. really we checked my yeah, son's yeah. deer through there remember i couldn't find that deer and he came out to help me yeah, I, I dropped down in there, and um, I think. All right, it's minor, minor technical difficulty. We apologize for that. Anyway, we're back. I hope the audio is good. We're trying to get this thing wrapped up, so stick with us here. We, we cut out there, but I'm going to get back to these questions, and then we'll wrap this one up. I know it's kind of been a long one, but uh, um, let's see. Which one do you prefer to hunt? A white oak flat with falling acorns or a freshly combined cornfield? Uh, freshly combined cornfield. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say the corn as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go with that one too. Um, first person you text when you kill a giant? You. Uh, yeah, you, <laughs> Nathan. Uh, I wouldn't, well, my, my cousin, George. There you go, yeah. George would be a good it, it was one my grandpa before, but it would be my cousin George now. Um... You're going in on a running gun setup. Do you take a climber or do you take a lack uh, hang on stand? I'm, I'm all the time climber. I actually just bought two new setups. I bought the uh, uh, Millenniums with the sticks. Yeah, yeah, those are high. It lit lightweight mm -hmm. and they lightweight and they could. Uh, it's real easy to pack in and out, and you can get in just about any tree that you want to get in. So, all right, kind of stick with me on this one. You can only hunt three hours because your wife's got plans for you during the middle of the rut. Do you hunt morning, midday, or afternoon? Depending on what time of year. Rut. Uh, in the rut, I'm going to hunt midday. I'm going to have to say midday as well. Mm, I'm going morning. Um, let's see. Your adult beverage of choice after you crack open or after you kill a big buck. Bud Light. I'm going to take a shot of Crown. <laughs> I'm going to take some of that blueberry moonshine, Brian. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Good stuff. Evaporate in your mouth. Um, which one would you prefer? A cold front in October this weekend or the rut during November? The rut. I'm going to have to say a cold front in October. I'm going to go... I'm going to say the rut because it's what we all wait for all year, but I, I could go either way. It just gets very unpredictable for me. I, I, I know, and probably a little bit of that's because we haven't been as aggressive as we, as we need to be. That's but, probably uh, right. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, so far to this point, I'm going to say a cold front in October. I think they're going to move a little bit more. Is the October lull real? Yes. Yes, it is. I think it might have a little bit to do with hunting pressure and everybody just getting in the woods as well. But, yes, I, I do believe uh, there is an October lull. I go back and forth on that one. I sometimes think there is. Some, I think you've just got bucks changing areas, and I think that's why some of the bucks you have disappear. Right. I, I agree with you 100%. Absolutely. I think there's an October lull, but Halloween weekend, and I tell Todd this every year, that's one weekend that from the time I was a child, that I can tell you, is a magic weekend of setting over scrapes. We, uh, what, 20 years ago, northern Missouri, mm -hmm. uh, Brian, I was filming for Brian, and that's back before we knew what the hell we were doing, but uh, it was Halloween weekend, and what, about 150-inch drop time walked in on us. <laughs> about the damnedest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Brian clipped a limb about the size of my pinky, and that was all she wrote on that. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, how often do you check your trail cameras? And I don't you get spike? You get satellite cameras. Let's say card cameras. Card cameras. I I try not to do any more than at the most every couple of weeks. I try to go a month though. I go every two weeks. Um, <laughs> I'd like to do it every day, but uh, <laughs> I'll say about once every week and a half. I agree with that. <laughs> um, you can hunt anywhere and kill anything in the world. What is it and where are you? I am in uh, 
I know what British Columbia hunting caribou. Caribou. Nathan? I'm going to have to say elk in Montana. I'm going to say elk in uh, New Mexico. Uh, last one. And this one, I'm pretty sure I know the answer for both these guys. Who instilled your love of the outdoors in you? Brian? Dad. Your dad. Grandpa, without a doubt. Yeah. Pate Lad. Yeah. My dad. So, and uh, that's just the way. I think that's the way it is with most boys. Mm -hmm. um, I know you looked up to your grandpa a lot, and, mm -hmm. and Brian, your dad, and my dad, everything I know. So, all right. Well, with that, and I apologize for the minor uh, audio difficulty we had here at the end, but uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, you guys got anything you want to add? Any advice in the next week before we do the next one on what you should be looking for? Now, granted, this is in central Missouri, the Midwest, but I think it's safe to say the Midwest is pretty is 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 all pretty much on the same page here. Now, you get down into the south or maybe the east, things could change a little bit. Maybe the far north, but uh, for me, I don't care where you're at. Be in the woods this weekend. Uh, Absolutely, I, I agree with that one hundred percent. But uh, that's just, a major that's a major cold front coming this weekend. It's going to pretty right. much take care of the whole country. So yeah, just be in the woods and and good luck to everybody. Uh, I hope you all kill a big one. Take that monkey off your back and celebrate hard. I agree. Just just good luck to everybody. Hope everybody has success. And hey, shoot what makes you happy. It's it's different for everybody, and uh, just so everybody gets out in the outdoors and and enjoys it. That's what it's all about. That's, that's a great point, Nathan. Uh, we talk about big deer here, but if it makes you happy, kill it. Uh, that, you know, if it gets your heart pumping and you're excited, shoot the deer. And don't worry about what anybody else thinks about it. it that's what it's, it's all about. It's your deer. You bought that tag. Nobody can tell you what to do with it. So with that, I think we're going to wrap it up. You guys got anything else you want to add? No, just good luck, everybody, and stay safe. Yep, good luck, guys. We're going to uh, – we've got some um, – Reports coming in. I've got one I'm going to get from Indiana. I've got one coming in from Ohio, West Virginia, Michigan, and Iowa within the next week. And I'll probably try to visit down south again as well. So anyway, with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Again, I apologize for the audio problems we had here at the end, but uh, we appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening to Busting Beaks and Chasing Tails. Good luck to y'all. for listening to the Bustin' Beaks and Chasin' Tales podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Bustin' Beaks and Chasin' Tales.